0: Everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman.
1: I'm Mark Marble. And
0: this is the Lantern Cast,
1: episode 351.
0: That's right. We're back to talk about the Green Lantern number four, the Cosmic Vampire's beautiful daughter. So, yeah. who's recapping this
1: one? Yahoo! <laughs> oh,
0: goddamn it. This one's this one's very Morrison y guys. I'm not looking forward to recapping this.
1: It I would say though that it picks up steam as the issue goes on because I was it's True. I was in total agreement with you like in the first page or so it was like, Jesus Christ. Everything that everything that makes me not a fan overall of Grant Morrison's writing was kinda like to me the first few pages were like that. Uh which we've seen in other issues of this title so far, but it's like but then but then as this but then as the story played out it got me i i was able to like see the positives to it so maybe this maybe it's a microcosm of, of grant morrison's writing <laughs>
0: <laughs> so who prevails when the the knight of light meets the queen of the night um, so we open up on a planet um, uh, we're not told what the planet is but essentially this um, this this being uh, uh, is is on the planet's surface speaking with the assembly, the grand assembly uh, it won't they won't let them this being into uh, a specific vault. Uh, this being was sent by controller Mu. Uh, and uh, the being then th- threatens. The 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 Grand Assembly or the sisters or the the sisters I guess is what they call <laughs> it um, yeah. by uh, by saying hey I'm going to sick this sun eater on on your star uh, and if you let me in the vault I'll teach you some survival techniques to to last a little longer and that sort of a thing uh, coercing them to open the vault this is a story. That uh, is being told by a being at this spaceport to a humanoid looking man with four arms, got a green coat, cowboy hat, um, chaps, it looks like the whole thing. And um, he this this uh, this this being in this silver helmet is supposedly uh, part of the Black Stars or uh, associated with them. Uh, and the guy in the cowboy hats trying to join up with the Black stars. They go back to their story talking about him opening the vault. Uh, this uh, being goes down into the vault to um, uh, receive this uh, this uh, being inside of a uh, a coffin. Uh, and this is the, being, the, uh, th- am I right in reading this? Am I reading this right? This is the being that escaped from, or that was jacked, or whatever, from that pod from like issue one or whatever.
1: I think so. I think that's what we're supposed to believe. This part, but uh, being direct, like we kind of alluded to this this part of the this part of the book is very confusing. <laughs> it's dense. It is. It is the. It is the dense Grant Morrison where there's so much shit going on. And you're trying to and you you're trying to figure out what translate it all.
0: Right. Uh, and this one also guys is like a leap forward in time from the last issue. Um, and so it's, it's not only a leap forward in time of the, like the linear storytelling of what's happening from issue to issue. It's also a, an issue that jumps back and forth in time. So if we're to take it, that this is the story of what happened for them to get this guy in this coffin, that was the cargo from issue one. Obviously, this takes place before issue one. But what's taking place here uh, with this uh, this being that is uh, this this guy that with the, the forearms and the cowboy hat and everything is talking to the person who's in the Black Stars. This that particular conversation is taking place after the events of this issue itself. Um, so there's a lot sort of happening Uh, There's three timelines. The past past, the uh, present of the story that's happening between these two people swapping stories, and then what happens for the most part roughly immediately after the events of issue three. And that's where we come here because the, the 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 guy in the cowboy hat's going to tell a story of the time that three grand, Green Lanterns received a call to go up against uh, a Sun Eater. Uh, it's Hal, and it's uh, Tagort, and I, for, I I forget the the female Lantern's name. I don't think it is mentioned here, at least not yet. Um, uh, to to go up against the sun, le- sun the sun eater Hal come, uh, calls in a um, Hyperia three lantern Hyperia three is a stellar AI or smart star currently patrolling sector uh, eight one six so he calls the he calls this lantern the smart star lantern uh, to come in and help out with uh, like distracting the sun eater but this this lantern is like two hours out. Meanwhile, we cut back over to the story between this Black Star uh, associate and the, the guy in the cowboy hat. We see some cosmic clashing going on. Now, okay, now we're gonna go back to the story. Um, the Sun Eater goes after uh, Tagort because you know he's a um, he's a lantern. He's got a ring. It's like a little snack for for him. He sucks in Tagort. Um, his as he's doing so, the Sun Eater sucks in Tagort as he's in the center of the Sun Eater. His ring energy is being drained. Hal goes in after him um, uh, while the other lantern, the red-haired lantern, um, is kind of fighting off the, the Sun Eater while Hal gets taggered out of there. Hal uh, shoots Construct missiles at the Sun Eater, and it kills it. Um, this th- Throughout the whole story, there's this, this uh, reverence. For these sun eaters uh, on behalf of the being that from the very beginning of the issue that collected the, the cargo as well as from this being who's associated with the black stars. Um, they're referred to as a Royal family. They have, these sun eaters have names. So this person is this one that's associated with the black stars is sort of pissed. The, the, you know, the sun eater was killed. Uh, this guy in the cowboy hat goes back to his story. Uh, he says the lanterns track the sun eaters radiation trail have you ever heard of crassius uh, quite six um hal goes to interrogate this being uh he says tell me about the adult sun eaters you smuggled from the no zone and uh, they're referred to as the royal twins the breeding pair uh and he says uh, thought we could use a gravity uh, harness uh, boys and girls and others turns out the fun's only just begun the controllers use selective mutation to create hyper-aggressive star killers. We're looking at a pregnant sun eater engineered for hostility heading for the Stellar Nursery in the Eagle Nebula. So that's what's happening. He says she'll want to eat, then spawn, which means no star or system within 20 parsecs is safe. Um, the, uh, what was the bulk? Folk and um, there's Metaphil there. The red-haired Lantern is here as well. They're saying, "Hey, the Guardians have ordered us to escort you back to Oa. Uh, they, you killed that Dorian uh, prisoner, and uh, you know the, we we'd have done the same same thing, but that's not the point. And Hal we either have to work or people die. Uh, I heard you, but the Guardians are more are immortal. They can wait." So they go to deal with the Sun Eater problem. Uh, They do so um, by uh, trying to create a construct energy sun uh, to sort of distract the Sun Eater. Um, Sound familiar? (laughs) Uh, And and, um, it's on its way, but right as it's heading towards them, they're about to run out of energy. Then, bam, that's where Lantern Hyperia 3 shows up. Um, uh, What's the problem? Uh, and he says, it's all yours. He shoots off a bunch of energy, presumably stunning or imprisoning the, the um, sun eater. Come back to the story, uh, the storytellers. And um, this person who's uh, a, a, an associate of the Black Star says was the second of the sun dragons killed. Nope. Um, and other things that makes life in the Black Stars way more appealing is your attitude towards, towards capital punishment, um, because evidently they didn't kill this other Star um, Sun Eater. Uh, he spared the Sun Eater. I hear she's alive for now, hibernating somewhere deep and cold and dark. One more chip to bargain with, right? And she's like, "Well, what became of this Green Lantern?" This guy then continues to tell the story. We cut back over to Oa, where the Guardians have Hal sort of quote-unquote, on trial um, to explain what's going on. They're going to – they're also berating him for putting his home planet under protective custody. Um, It's not really a trial because they're going to – they have Lanterns Volk and Ashpack Glyph escorting him to his birth world or another planet of your choosing, pending investigation and a full psychiatric eval. So, uh, and oh yeah, this is the the redhead chick, Lantern Viniz, V-N-I-Z-Z. Uh, she says, I'd like it all on record that, uh, you know, Lantern Jordan risked his life for my sector partner, um, Lantern Tagort. Um, then the cutting back towards the storytellers, uh, the countless, uh, she says, the, count, the, the this being says, the countless uh, Blazebeth descended with her mechanics her living machinery and fed as is her nature uh and she's finishing her side of the story what happened at the beginning of this issue uh he and this guy says I get it she's a formidable later she's a force of nature she's our commander you seek the black stars I am the black star I feed on light and you I know who you are Hal Jordan the green lantern and Hal says you got me his uh, so his second pair of arms disappears as Construct Energy. He says, how should I address you, your highness? And she says, I am Countess Blesabeth Blazbe- and you were wrong to come here. He says, allow me to disagree. I'm here to see. I'm here to join you, and I'll even throw in the ring for free. And that was uh, the Cosmic Vampire's Beautiful Daughter.
1: This... This issue, in a way, which means I should have liked it more than I did, this kind of reminds me of a issue of the Spectre series. <laughs> it was very Spectre-like, not even just because of the art, uh, even though I would say overall Liam Sharp's art was certainly better than Ryan Sook when he was the main artist on that book. But just the tone, just the tone and the writing and, and all, the, all the stuff that's being thrown at you in this book uh, – Though so Ash Pack Glyph was nice, because that was pretty good timing based on the fact that we just did the 80-page uh, giant, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that was, that was pretty fort- fortuitous. Uh But it, was, it wasn't bad. It got better. I mean, even if we didn't already know this because of the solicits that the odds were overwhelming that this was Hal Jordan because of the solicits, that I think we probably would have guessed it was Hal from the get-go <laughs> – Right. Uh, I did like the uh, man with no name reference, of course. You know the Clint Eastwood western throw-in uh, early in the book uh, when he's referred. They refer to like, this cowboy is a man, you know, like pretty bold talk or whatever for a man with no name. Uh, the time, yeah, the timeline is weird, having three different things going on together, but yet you know it's not uncommon. But it was it's. It's good, but like I said, until we figure out exactly what the deal was with Hal you know uh, deep sixing that guy at the end of the last issue until we until we really know what what the deal was with that, it's gonna I mean we assume either the guy's not really dead or there was a re, you know or Hal obviously would have had to have permission to do that or something because we we know how it didn't just go rogue and do it. that makes no sense. Yeah, because that's part probably was part of the plan to just to make it acceptable that he would be considered a viable recruit for the Black Stars. Even though I still don't know why anybody would trust Hal Jordan to join your group based on his based on his history, you would think, oh yeah, he he's got to be going deep undercover, deep 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 undercover. <laughs> so I, I eh, I don't know. It, it it wasn't it was not bad. I. I I think my over it just fits with my overall vibe off this book. It's pro, it's not as bad as I envisioned it was going to be, or it's as bad as it could have been. But I'm not exactly loving this Green Lantern universe, especially based on the one that we're so used to dealing with for like the past I don't know, like almost 15 years. <laughs>
0: So, I don't know yeah I, I like I said I'm enjoying the series more than I thought I would. Uh, Liam's art is growing on me issue by issue uh, more and more and more. There's a lot of negative space in here which I don't like um, and that's just that's that's a that's a personal thing for me. I am not a fan of negative space in comics. By that I mean um, when the guy that we now know as Hal starts his story, That white page where you have the circle of the lanterns flying out of it, you have all that negative space there. And then you turn the page, there's a bunch of negative space on these two pages. Uh, There's more negative space when uh, when Tagort uh, starts getting sucked into the Sun Eater. More negative space down here towards the bottom of the next page turn. There's just I do not like negative space in in comics and um, it's okay here and there. But when it's uh, when it's what I personally feel as overused, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, and there's a there's a lot of negative space here uh, in this in this issue, and of course it can be done for effect, and it can be done for the right reasons and everything. Uh, but again, for me, it's a it's it's strictly a personal choice. It's just it's, there's something to me about looking at the page and seeing all that blank white space that I just I just do not like aesthetically. So
1: I can see that.
0: Yeah, it just seems like a lot. Um, I mean, otherwise, I mean, it can be used to great effects and it looks cool in certain spots, but yeah, like, it's just not for me, but, um, lots of cool, like, um, I don't have the artistic terms for it, but, uh, like, uh, lots of cool, um, I want to say almost brushwork looking sort of things, stuff that's not quite as sharp pen and ink, like, um, the suns, the planets in uh, their atmosphere, the um, those two big um, sandstormers and fire folk that are fighting each other. That, was uh, that, you know, that looks like a more like brushwork sort of a thing. The way the Sun Eater looks when like Tagort is messing with it, especially when he's inside of it, too. Um, you know, not a, a lot of a lot of these things like this are not as like super defined pencil and ink. Sort of artistic things. They look like they're more stylized or more brushwork, a different sort of a thing. It looks like uh, there's a the page where uh, right before they create the artificial star, uh, looks like almost. I don't know if someone did this or someone actually went and took a stock image of like you know one of the Horsehead Nebulas or something and put it there. But if that's someone's actual artwork, that looks pretty freaking cool instead of like a photo um a photostatic image being placed there that's pretty cool looking and of course you know just the artwork itself when Liam's actually doing the pen and ink stuff looks looks pretty great uh, some of the some of the like the head-on shots of the lanterns look pretty good but some of the other more stylized stuff like for instance um, the page towards the end when we finally cut back to um, the the uh, uh, the the Black Stars uh, story and the Sun Eater is eating that world and the, that being is like holding lightning or whatever. Lightning's coming down on you. See what yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah, that looks really cool. Um, yeah, so there's there's a lot of cool art to artistic stuff in here. I'm just I it I've been enjoying the series more and more and more as we go each issue. But then we get an issue like this where we're jumping all over the place and I'm getting utterly lost as to what the hell is happening. And there's, there's like this, there's a fine line between a, a, an in-depth story and in in, a, a, a story that's supposed to make you think a sport, a story that's a bit more challenging. And there's, there's, there's a difference between that and just utterly losing me. Because uh, – and I hate for this to sound egotistical. It's going to, but whatever. I'm not too stupid to understand this. Like it's it, – the, the issue with, with uh, internalizing what is happening in this narrative is not an issue of intellect. It's an issue of we're all over the goddamn place. And it's been an it's been a whole month since I've read the last issue. I'm not rereading your issue every single freaking time I pick up the next issue. Throw in like a a narrative box or a recap page or something. I don't know. We don't even need forget forget the recap page. I know Marvel does that. Um, some people like it, some people don't. So let's forget the recap page. Throw in a narrative box. You know, even like. What was it? was it? Was it Zero Hour that they did this where, like it said, like two weeks ago, 15 minutes from now? You know, remember there, that? There
1: was a lot, but there was a lot. Yeah, there was a lot of things like that in, in Zero Hour. I'm not sure if it was consistent, consistently referring to like, you know, from one issue to the next. But that's because they were time jumping a lot. So I think they, they did that a lot. But yeah, they, but you're but right. It, there, were, there was some there, there definitely were references like that in Zero Hour.
0: Tell me where tell me where I am and when I'm at. Like I just I, I I was I I was lost uh, where of, of what was happening here I you know maybe maybe if if there was some narrative boxes kind of describing the story rather than these characters here in the first, these first couple pages doing dialogue, I'd know, Oh, okay. Someone's telling a story. You know what I mean? Like how I'm just, I'm lost as to what's going on on the page. Of course, you know, you get to the end, you're like, okay now. And then I can turn back and reread the issue and go, Oh, okay. See, I'm understanding where we're at, but I shouldn't have to open, I shouldn't have to open up the comic and go, Holy shit. What? what, what, did I miss something? Do I have to go back and read the other issues? Like I shouldn't be confused as to where I'm at and what's going on. Uh, And that's not necessarily, it sounds like a criticism and it sounds like I'm being super, you know, negative about it, super passionate about the, the issue. But like I am enjoying the story and I am enjoying the art more and more. It's just, Sometimes you get an issue like this out of it and I and I, and as much as I enjoy what's happening on the page I'm still frustrated at like at, at how how ridiculous it is for me to have to put so much effort into just understanding what I'm trying to enjoy. I mean, I'm putting down my money and my my fandom and going, okay, I'm going to follow this book and I'm going to devote my time to it. I shouldn't be frustrated when I walk away from it.
1: I get it. I agree. I and yes, the it's all too easy. It's all too easy to excuse things and explain it away. Sometimes to say, oh, this is just like over your head. Because to be fair. We, and the reason why it's worth mentioning only because it's Morrison related. It does seem to happen a lot with Morrison, because <laughs> we heard that during Final Crisis too. That oh, Final Crisis is a great story. It's just it's just like above you. You're just not getting it. It's like then 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 at some point that becomes a basic fail with the way the story was created. Then doesn't it? If if a if a huge percentage of people don't get the story, then that means it failed. It's kind of like it's kind of like. It's similar to a discussion we had. Actually, I think it was the anniversary, the crisp the was it the Christmas episode when we were talking about art with Dan, and then just another thing that when once you put something out in the world, then no matter what your intent was, how people react to it and they interpret it, it, kind of becomes you know you don't have really any control over that. But if your goal, but if your goal is to do, but if you do have a goal in mind when you when you put something out there, and at least half the people who want to get it should be getting it or should want to. In, in, shouldn't want to enjoy it inherently don't or are confused by it or turned off by it you can't just turn a blind eye and say oh it's just them kind of like the last kind of like the last jedi criticism in a way that you can't just say oh because you know close to 50 percent of the fan base didn't really like the movie oh that's that's just because they didn't get it it was too it was not what they wanted so not what they were expecting so they can't accept it well after a while it's like you just have to accept it for what it is no matter what your intentions were Sometimes it doesn't work out, and you can't just always blame the audience, and that's never a wise move anyway, but you can't. So well, this is not – I don't think – this isn't like final crisis level, but it is dense and it is deep, and he, he has – ha, I, overall, I think he's had a really bad habit in a lot of these issues so far of starting off really, really dense or where or you, you have a lot to absorb. Even last issue with all the uh, – like the intergalactic bad guys at the auction, or whatever, or whatever it was—the auction, the meeting, trying to get people to buy this and buy that—that that was. I thought that was pretty dense too. I thought that was a little hard to follow, and immediately, uh, maybe most more so because I'm trying to pick out who this person is and that who who that person is. Besides, like the obvious ones, like Graven and things like that. So, I, but I think I think that's a bad. I think if there's criticism here. I I think at least, and it's probably mo- probably more than two, but I just remember the last two issues. I think at least 50% of this book so far has started off in a very dense, not easy to jump into place, and I think that's a problem. I think that ruins. Yeah. I think that potentially ruins your enjoyment for the whole book when you just in the first couple of pages you're like, okay, what the hell did I just read, and do I have to go back and reread these first three pages again? Even if the rest of the story kind of falls into place, and it's like,
0: yeah, I have no problem with the dense with the with the dense book. I have no problem with with you know I, these these comics now are three ninety nine an issue, and as you can hear, folks, this is this, I I have physical. I'm getting the physical copies of these. Because as a lot of you guys know, I do digital now. If I get a if I get an issue issue, a floppy, I'm it's because I enjoy the series. So I'm I'm doing this. I'm I'm behind this series, but. It, so when you when you shell out 4 bucks for an issue, you know, you expect uh, you expect to get your money's worth. And you're getting a lot of story, you're getting a lot of art, you're getting a lot of characters out of this. And my god is he really just embracing the cosmic scale of the Green Lantern universe. And I applaud him for all of that and I am enjoying the story, but it's like every other issue so far. I mean, it's only really 4 issues in, but like it's almost every other issue or at least once every issue, something like that. I'm just like uh, – part of me goes, wait, what the hell? What? What's happening now? Where – did I did – I, are pages sticking together? Am I missing something? Did I forget something that happened in the issue prior? Where, where are we at? Like – and I, I shouldn't be thinking that that much. It's okay for you to get d- deep with it. It's okay for you to get dense with it. It's okay for you to just throw in a bunch. Be Morrison, throw in a bunch of the lingo and a bunch of the, the your knowledge of the DCU and the, the cosmic stuff, and throw in that stuff that we haven't heard of in years. So the, the callbacks to the Silver Age concepts and rope in this and that and the other. But I shouldn't be lost in reading it at times. You know what I mean?
1: right, yeah, I get yeah. It. I, I get it I think it's yeah, it can definitely be fru- it can definitely be frustrating, let's be honest. so it's just a matter of I guess we're gonna it's new to me to like something this much, but
0: also come away reading it also frustrated. It'd be one thing if I'm just like, oh, it's not my Green Lantern, they're not doing this and that and you know, blah blah blah. So I hate it and I'm not gonna like it and I'm gonna be frustrated. It's weird for me to put down a comic I like and also be frustrated at it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm I'm not as I'm not as split, but I Like I said, my my, ma- my main overlook or assessment of this book so far is that yes, it's <laughs> It's not, it's, and I, and it's, it definitely sounds negative, and it's, I don't mean it that way, it's just, it's, not, this book, it, let's do the positive spin instead For first, this book is better than I thought it was going to be, and it's certainly not as bad as I feared it was going to be, based on a, how it was going to read, and the direction he was going to go in, and my overall interest in the book. So I do have an interest in it, and it's not, and it's, it's certainly better than I thought it was going to be, but, that all being said, it's... It's. It remains to be seen how much I'm going to like this going on, going forward, and that's again working under the assumption, in which that's all it is at the moment, that Morrison stays on past issue 12 anyway, because if he only does a year, then it really doesn't matter, what my, <laughs> because because obviously the book's going to change direction no matter what, even if it's supposedly going to fall, you know, with Morrison gone, the book will naturally be different, even if the, the gist is to continue the basic of. Uh, Kind of storytelling of what, how, how, and the core are being used, but we'll see. Uh, it's I I can't say I've been I can't say I look forward to this book every month yet. Uh, a little bit only because it's the only damn book we have, so I guess so. It's kind of by you know by default, almost de facto, you have to look forward to it just because it's the one the one. Regular issue review. We know we're going to do every month, but I'm looking
0: forward to next issue. Is is, is next issue the one with Adam Strange on the cover? I th- I think so. Or is that issue six?
1: One of the two. I don't mean it's one of the two, but e- I'm pretty sure it's I'm pretty sure it's next month. But e- but even so, just just with this whole this whole Dark Star, th- I mean the Black Star thing, that and yes, it's probably you know it's it's kind of. We've kind of been down this road before, in a way, seeing you know, oh the Green Lanterns joining the other guy, other side. Uh, so it's it's not exactly new, but let's see how it's done. And at least I'm interested in getting the seeing the interaction between Hal and the, and the Vampire chick, and and getting, and getting a little more answers to exactly what's been going on, which we kind of were promised that, you know, the first few issues we're not going to really know what's going on, especially if it seems out of. Character for Hal, that you know, it's going to take us some time to for it all to make sense. So, I'm looking forward to it making sense, and then maybe that'll be when I'll be able to figure out uh, how you feel. Yeah, how my overall assessment of it
0: got a cool, a couple of cool ads in here. We got the ad for the Wonder Twins series that just uh, issue one came out today as we record this, and then we got an ad because uh, next month the Dial H for Hero comes back.
1: I remember submitting stuff for that comic book,
0: uh, and it's going to be written by Sam Humphreys. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doctor DC Podcast actually has uh, something they do now called the Dial Doc. It's been something they uh, do at the end of every episode, where they just <laughs> they they end the episode by just trying to randomly make up something. You know, if you were to dial H, you know, because because you 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 said to yourself just now. Uh, for those who don't know, whenever the kid, people would write in all the time, you know, especially way back when the kids would write in and be like, "Y'all should do such and such a hero because that'd be so cool," and blah blah blah. And of course, they couldn't do it for legal reasons because then they someone's creating something they had to pay, blah blah blah. But there, it, also a lot of them are kids' ideas, so it's like, well, we can't really do anything ongoing with this idea. We'll do the the H dial. You dial Hero on this little spinning uh, uh, pad. Uh, What what do you call those? I mean, it's a dial, but the specific ones where you run your finger across and let go. Uh, I I say spinning dial. I I know there's a specific word, name for them. Um, Rotary.
1: Rotary. Oh, like the phone. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. the rotary. Rotary dial. Uh, And you just... You know, you dial hero, and then this you, you are magically granted these this 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 power from a, a random uh you just, this random skill set. So you'd say, like, you know, <laughs> I'm the hammer god, you know, <laughs> and uh, you know, you have the the powers of blah 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 to do this and that. So now they that's what they do at the end of every <laughs> the Dr. DC podcast episode is create a random. A random hero that's usually them <laughs> forgetting – even though they do this every episode now – forgetting to do it. So frantically looking around the room for inspiration <laughs> to figure out what they're going to do. And like for – I just said hammer god and it's right – I have a Thor's hammer thing
1: that lights up on my wall, so. um, But the old Dial H for hero, they they, they gave – they did kind of – I mean – they were not. They never did anything. Yes, ongoing with those characters, but whichever ideas were created by you know were accepted, they basically gave credit to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They always gave credit to whoever was the, the person who submitted it. So they just yeah they just and I and I and I don't remember. I think technically I think technically speaking, there there was a whole thing about that they really do once you submit that stuff in, especially if they use it, that they kind of own it. I think they did make that clear, but I just don't think they wanted to cross. I I think that I think that was part of the. It almost was like the becomes like a a badge of honor, kind of like how Kyle was never supposed to use the same construct twice, that kind of thing. So I think that's kind of what it was the idea, the the concept behind it that it, that you would never that it, you didn't need to use it the same retread because that was the whole point. You wanted people to keep submitting, but I think. But I think if I – you know, this was a while ago because obviously I was a kid when they were – I don't remember how old, but I was a kid when that book was going on. But I think they did make it clear that, that you know, once you submit that stuff, it was property in DC.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. So uh, there's also an ad for uh, Batman and the Flash, The Price, and I only bring this up because um, of two reasons. One – doomsday clock because um the last time batman and the flash teamed up for a crossover the four issue crossover it was for the button and now this is called the price and it says the world's greatest detective the fastest man alive if they can if they can solve the mis, they can solve the mystery if they don't kill each other first um and but at the bottom it says tie-in event beginning in february for heroes in crisis so I'm wondering, uh do we do you have any idea who this uh, guy in shadow could be?
1: Not if not if it's related to Heroes in Crisis, because I haven't been reading it. I have one yeah. issue of Heroes in Crisis and I don't really care about Heroes in Crisis at this point. So I don't I don't really know. Uh yeah, we it's, we pretty much know and this will be our segue into this topic, we pretty much know it's not gonna be related to Doomsday Clock. <laughs> 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 I mean, not in, well, a ma- not in any kind of major way, since we'll be dead before that ever ends. Well, b- before we segue, though, do you see what's uh, next to
0: Barry's right elbow? Well,
1: do you have the picture? Because,
0: because I Oh, yeah. Know. Yeah, hang on. Let's see here. Uh, it's, uh, well, it's the Medusa mask.
1: Oh, oh from, uh, what's his face? Psycho Pirate. Yep, that's the one.
0: Nope, nope, that's not what I want. Nope, it's uh, a
1: screenshot. Yeah, I know. I'm I, trying I, I, to... I know you know, I'm just saying. Uh, there we go. But yeah, it's the...
0: The Medusa mask.
1: Well, that would make sense. Or at least I'll, it looks I'll, like it. Because obviously Psycho... But Psycho Pirate is somewhat involved with... Uh, heroes in crisis. I believe. Uh... uh... Yeah, that could be. That could be it. That could be it. No, I, I've, I have, I have no idea. Uh, I think, I think up to this point, Heroes in Crisis has kind of been a fail. I think for most people, I think Heroes in Crisis has kind of been kind of, if word on the street means anything, I think it's kind of been like an epic fail for most people at this point. That it's been boring and not much has happened and it's been dragging on and it's like, and. The only good thing is it's not twelve issues like something else we will talk about in a second.
0: <laughs> Go for it. Uh, uh, oh, I, actually, actually, I'm sorry. Okay. One of the roadblocks I wanted to throw in. Um, what do you think of them uh, in this issue creating a, a construct star to to uh, stave off uh, to distract the sun eater? Very final night, huh?
1: Yeah. All of, all of it was final night. Even though, like, of course, as some people have pointed out, the fact that there was no pa- there was no, no Parallax reference, or even Hal making some comment about dealing with Sun Eaters, it kind of seemed yeah. that seemed like a huge, huge uh, missed opportunity. Back during Final Night, was the Sun Eater supposed to be something organic?
0: Yeah, it was a creature.
1: Because I don't, re- yeah. I, I don't remember it ever being sentient. But I don't also, I don't remember much about the like the pre. I don't, I have it. I just don't remember much like about the about the preview that was in. In, uh, whatchamacallit, Wizard or whatever, regarding what's your face coming to Earth as, as, you know, warning. Dusk, yeah. Dusk, yes. Because uh, I do, in my mind's eye, I, I always saw it as organic, and I think that made sense, but I just don't remember. It certainly wasn't, it, they didn't play it up the way they're doing it in this series.
0: And, well, it was uh, It was definitely organic there. It was also organic in that, what was that Superman story they eventually made into a, uh, a direct to DVD animated film? Uh, the one where like he faces off against Samson and Hercules oh. and Lois gets powers for 24 hours. It, um, it's not whatever happened to the man of tomorrow. Is it? It's, uh, this is interesting. Oh, what the hell was it called? Uh,
1: well, let's see. Let me see if I can find. I'm, I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at the. Wow, Sun eaters go back a long time. That's interesting. I didn't realize that. Uh, let's see.
0: Be- because there was specifically a scene where Superman has a um, like a cosmic forge, and what happens is he'll strike the hammer and it's almost like a All-Star miniature Superman. big bang. There you go. Yeah. So All Star Superman. Yeah, it was in All Star Superman where like he in, in this fortress he has like a pet Sun eater. And, like, he'll get this cosmic forge, strike it down, hammer down on the forge, and it's like it's like a miniature Big Bang, which creates instantaneously a bunch of little galaxies and star matter, which he then kind of scoops up in his arms and sprinkles into the pit where the Sun Eater is, and that's how he feeds it. So, yeah, it was definitely a – and that was, like, a throwaway little thing in that issue, I think. Um uh, I think the Sun Eater played a part in something later on. It just—it's been a while since I've seen and, or read that.
1: Well, yeah, it's—it yeah. it's, says the the infant creature was eventually released into the wild by Superman, but came to his aid when he was fighting Solaris, only to be killed by the evil star.
0: Yes, that is correct. So, so yeah, Solaris shows up in that story, and um, because he's uh, bec- because he's such a threat, the the Sun Eater um, takes out Solaris, but at the cost of its own life. But it comes to Superman's aid, so yeah, that's right. But yeah, it was, as far as I'm aware, it's all it's it's always been an organic being. Now, what I don't know though is 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 even further back than Final Night. I'm talking like the era of the Legion uh, in the '60s and '70s when the Sun Eater like first first appeared. Was it organic then, or like a dark, malevolent? Well, I
1: suppose, it something. was supposed to be. I'm looking at this briefly, and of course, it doesn't mean it's accurate. That I think it was always organic, but it, it was always organic, but it wasn't not necessarily natural. Because according to this, it says the sun eaters were created by the controllers.
0: Oh, according
1: to this, uh, it says a, which would which would be an interesting pull for Grant to do in this yes, issue because it would, tie it, it. would tie it in. It would make it it, it 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 it. So it's probably safe to say that there's. There's, they're not retconning this or so they're holding that the, what I'm reading is accurate because it would tie it into why the controllers, or well, Mew anyway, would use it. A sun eater is a living nebula with the ability to drain whole stars of all their energy that snuffs out the star and causes its planetary system to freeze, blah, 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 blah. The sun eaters were created by the alien race known as the controllers as a way to destroy entire worlds that they judged to be, quote, unquote, too evil. Each sun eater was kept in a dormant state until needed washed over by a controller.
0: Hmm. So. That's interesting.
1: It is interesting. Uh, and that was before, that was before, the, uh, uh, the. I guess, the first Sun Eater was used in a Legion story in 1963. Hmm. So, yeah. It's actually really interesting going, tying it into the Legion of Superheroes and Pharaoh Lad and all this stuff, because obviously that ties into uh, Final Night as well. Right. So that's kind of a that was kind of a cool uh, bookends, if you will. All right, Doomsday Clock. Sorry. That's all right. It's not going to be very lengthy. Hey, Mongol killed a controller and unleashed a Sun Eater two to destroy Earth. And DC Comics presents forty three. I think I might have read that one. Yeah, yeah that's pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, ever so briefly. Uh, Do Doomsday Clock. Uh, let's just be blunt. Uh, it's a clusterfuck as far as pardon the pardon the term as far as any kind of regular release schedule of this book this premiered what in november of what 2017 2017 i believe was the first issue of doom of Doomsday clock and here we are soon to be in march of 2019 and as we speak what eight eight issues right or is it seven eight, eight.
0: I'm not sure i think eight i yeah. think
1: it's i think it's eight i think eight I think the eighth was the last one that came out. I think it's nine that was pushed back. So basically we still have four more issues of this this book. And of course, supposedly the other – they haven't pushed back the release dates on the other issues yet, but you, but you can almost take it to the bank that at least some of them are going to be pushed back. Because if, these, if they were all ready to go, then why would you be pushing what, pushing the next issue back three friggin weeks? And plus it was already pushed back from uh, – it was already pushed back because this issue was supposed to come out in January. And then it was pushed back to the beginning of February, and now I think it's still supposed to come out this month. But I think it's supposed to come out maybe the last week in February. Talk about killing any kind of momentum this story had. You know, this was supposed to be this big story that was going to really tie into, explain, and set the course. What of rebirth of the of DC rebirth, and and most and so and again, talk about a story that this was a story people cared about, and by the very nature of the way the issues have come out, it has killed all the momentum for this book. And whether it's Jeff Johns' fault or not, it doesn't really matter. The reality is, like as we kind of discussed, there's plenty of blame to go around with this book based on track record of who's to blame. But it doesn't make a lot of sense why it's taken so long. You know, this, it, Now, to be fair, it shouldn't be Johns' fault because he should have – since this has kind of been in the back of his mind seemingly since before even the, I think the Rebirth one-shot came out, that he really should have had the basic idea of the story. All you know, plotted out. So I shouldn't be taking this long to write the issues. So, but I still, I'm still not saying it's not him. I'm just saying it shouldn't be him. <laughs> but it's 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 ridiculous. Now the issues have gotten better. I mean, the last three issues I think that have come out have been the best issues of the book. And Doctor Manhattan, I believe, is supposed to be in the next issue again. But my God, this is just it's just it's almost become it's become a joke what's going on with this book and. It's just, it's just, just amazing how much, I mean, this happens to all the, both Marvel and DC, it's not just DC, but you really need to get, to get your act together when you're doing events and things like that. You need to do what you need to do ahead of time to make sure this shit doesn't happen as often as it does, and it does happen fairly often. When was the last time we had, like, a major event in which not, not even one of the issues ended up being pushed back? I mean, it's almost like clockwork. I and mean, one issue you could deal with. I think most people, one issue is delayed like a couple of weeks. I think nobody would care less, or couldn't. They couldn't. I mean, they they couldn't care less if that happened. But but this, I mean, come on. I mean,
0: makes anyway. you almost long for the days when we uh, had issues that would release before they were supposed to.
1: Right. <laughs> plus, that makes it like you talked about uh, with tying it into Green Lantern Four. That when you have when you have all this stuff going on at the same time and you're confused about the time frame, it's like well it doesn't make you want to go you know that you can't always go, basically because you're not going to not necessarily being positioned to you just people choose not to and they shouldn't have to go back and reread the last issue to find out what the hell's going on. Multiply it by like three with when you have an issue when you have like the last issue of what Doomsday Clock came out in what maybe maybe the beginning beginning of December, and then you're going to get one towards the end of February. And it's like, it's like come on, it's like you're you're asking a whole lot, especially when a lot of these issues have been not exactly go, not exactly going straight downhill as far as in a straight line I should say about connecting all the dots about what's going on in the whole story. That there's been a lot of lot of turnoffs on on exit roads that have that may play into the big picture, but they're not giving people really what they want. That in a roundabout way. So I don't think that helps too when you're trying to figure out what's going on. I mean, I kind of remember, I kind of remember what the last issue was about, was about because because you and I talked about it because it was related to to uh oh god nu- uh Ronnie Raymond there Firestorm Firestorm. I wanted, yeah, I, for some reason, Nuclear Man was in my head. Uh, Firestorm, the Nuclear why, Man. Yes, that's why. But I, I, couldn't put the first part. Firestorm, yes. Firestorm, or more probably, Firestorm in quotes. Once we find out the whole story, but still, I remember that involved Superman and Firestorm, and that's the reason why I remember the issue. But still, that's it. It's just, you know, we posted about it. It's just, it's, it is, it is kind of ridiculous that DC kind of. What, a lot of the momentum, it seems, DC had from Rebirths really has kind of whittled away, it seems. Uh, so,
0: hmm. All right, what's next?
1: I say we do the endgame Super Bowl commercial since we couldn't do that last time. Okay,
0: it's only like 30 seconds. Do you want to play it or should we just talk about it? Because I don't think there's actually a ton of dialogue here.
1: No there isn't there really isn't a ton of dialogue. we can just talk about it yeah, what don't we do? why don't we both mute it? Let's just mute it and, play, and we can watch it at least um, as we're, as we're discussing it just and so we can pause it at the important points uh you did not watch this during the Super Bowl
0: no, I was busy making guacamole and uh, some other stuff. <laughs>
1: I I barely I barely caught it. I actually was I was talking to a friend of mine actually on Skype. Because it
0: happened in like the first quarter, right?
1: It happened before the first quarter. I think it happened. I think it happened before the game. I think it happened before the game started. I think. But if but if not, it happened in the first commercial break. But I thought it happened somewhere after the national anthem and before the kickoff. But I could be wrong. It could have been after the initial. But either way, it happened. Yes, yeah, super early. Super early in the game, and I think they only played it once. And it's interesting, like all these things are interesting for what they just as much what they don't show. I mean, obviously we see the Statue of Liberty with all the all the boats around it, which is quite interesting. That maybe symbolically Liberty Island has become more relevant, um, unless these are all the ships that basically were cat all all these ships that were captainless and just by luck of the draw made it, ended up cra- you know making it to Liberty Island by them. By themselves we see you know the city field i like the where do we go now that they're gone you know the support group kind of thing mm-hmm. which also is important because and not and this annoyed me from the from the teaser trailer not because it was in it because of what people how people reacted this right right there when we see that that makes it clear that this that end game is not picking up like two seconds after infinity war <laughs> That right. there is a certain amount of time that has passed since the snap. Now we don't know how long. We don't know if it's several months. We don't know if it's like a year or more. We know it's a. We know it's a chunk. It's probably a few months. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna have to say it's like like maybe like four months or so. But it has. But it made sense. There was a chunk of time anyway because that's why they're so surprised when Scott Lang shows up at the end of the. <laughs> and they said, "Is this an old message?" Because if Scott Lang shows up two days after the snap, that's not a big deal. He may have just been unaccounted for. You show up like half a year later or a year later. Everybody who you haven't heard from since the snap, you're going to assume absolutely 100% is dead because there's no reason not to. Why would not they have turned up? But the that the fact that people were getting nitpicky about oh because Cap had shaved so how 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 much how much you know PTSD or how. How grieving could he be if he shaved? Like, like the only qualification for showing you grief is to to completely lose any interest in personal hygiene. <laughs> Plus, we also don't know what the world, we don't know what the the Avengers' role is now. Maybe because of what happened and everybody disappearing, maybe their role is more, you know, kind of. It's hard to say more important, but maybe but symbolically, people are you know are clinging to them a little bit more. Plus, you know, this is really who Cap really is. So maybe he feels the need to kind of embrace, go back to his, his, you know, his roots. I do like the way he, his face fidgets in that scene, because you know that you know the over the overarching theme of this trailer is the fact that people, everybody else can move on, but not them. That they're that they're not going to move on, which makes sense because as we know, they're the only ones who can fix it. <laughs> But I, but there, there are some cool. I mean, obviously there are some cool visuals in this. We do see Nebula and Tony working together, which at least gives me the thumbs up in our Nebula Tony debate at the moment. Doesn't mean it it's turn out turn out that way, but it does seem like Tony and Nebula are working together to try to figure out a solution to their lost in space. Uh, I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty cool. Some some have pointed out about the arc reactor looking like it's under Tony's shirt as not on top of it, which means, does Tony do something with the arc reactor? Like, is it like implanted again in himself? Or somehow does he try to do that, whether it's just to keep himself alive or, you know, it's just, can, uh, we got the shot of everybody, of, of something showing up at, at the Avengers uh, headquarters with uh, looking clearly like somebody is being digitized out. Between, what, Black Widow, was it Banner, Brody, and Cap? hmm uh-huh. Which probably would either mean one of two things, either that's... It either means Captain Marvel is between them, probably, or Tony might be between them and Captain Marvel. I mean, it, could be, it can't be the Hulk because we see Banner there, unless that's a complete misdirection. Uh, it wouldn't make any sense to take out Ant-Man, because we already know he's going to be there. So probably you would have to think either Captain Marvel is there and then Tony and Nebula are arriving, or Tony's there, and Captain Marvel's arriving. (laughs) Uh, the Black Widow, the Black Widow taking target practice, you see, I like the Rhodey and Ant-Man suiting up, which also gives the impression to some that there should be another character between the two of them, in that scene. I think that's a little less, that's a little less concrete, because there's room enough for somebody, but it's not a lot of room. But it depends who it is. Uh, Thor Thor looking depressed i like – the question is where thor is a lot of people have speculated thor, that's where thanos is that thanos is uh
0: or it's the last uh settlement of any of the surviving members of the asgardians that yep. is
1: possible too just like just like rocket where where rocket is where the rocket cuz i know some have speculated that it could be it could be uh norway which, depending on where the Asgardians went, because they are, because that's what was that where they were going anyway? <laughs> Weren't they going to Earth? Yeah, he said. No,
0: uh, he said. Right. Yeah, because remember Loki was like, "Do you really think it's a good idea me going back to Earth?"
1: Right. So, yeah. but but also that that also could be potentially a time travel thing too, because I was thinking about this. If they're gonna get if they're gonna get Thor's hammer. If they're going to, which we don't know they're going to, but if they're going to get Thor's hammer and use it, the only place they could get it without it disrupting any well see it's a time it's a time jump thing, so you could do it anywhere. You could technically take his hammer at the end of Battle of New York and then bring it back to you know one second later in in practical time. You know, in real time, but you have gone, already gone back and used it and then brought it back. So with time jumping, you could do anything you want. But if you wanted to take it from a moment in time that wouldn't affect anything going forward no matter what, you you could take it from them before Hela destroyed it because that doesn't affect the events of Ragnarok at all. Uh, but either way, I just – I, I, I like I liked when they're all – to me, the best part of the trailer besides Cap strapping on his shield is the way they're all marching out. But you assume at that you assume at that moment they're all marching out to do whatever they're gonna do with the quantum realm. because uh, 'cause they're obviously going on a mission at that point, so and a cap with a shield, of course, is always a pleasant sight. But I thought there was a, considering you didn't see a lot in this trailer, I thought it sur- it gave you a lot to think about or talk about, I think, considering and I think that's what all the all these trailers should be like this. They should not give you that much, you know, to break down. Or I, they shouldn't oh they so shouldn't oversaturate with footage regardless of whether it's going to be true that they're only going to show us stuff from like the first 20 minutes of the movie, which is supposedly, and well and that's obviously something we're never going to know whether it's true or not till we see the movie. But that is something that we're being that we were told that everything you're going to see with the marketing of this movie is only from the first 20 minutes. So whether that's true or not, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I think they all should be like this. In no, all honesty, we only... We only need one more trailer for this movie. Whether they get, whether we get more than one's another story. But they gave us a teaser. They gave us this little, this little uh, commercial. Give us one full trailer for this movie to be to go to come out when Captain Marvel comes out. We they don't need anything else. They really don't. Yeah, and uh, yeah,
0: it's gonna be a big. April's gonna be a big month. Got Shazam, which is. April fifth, one day before my birthday, and then we got this. Shazam's,
1: Shazam's April.
0: April fifth.
1: For some reason, why was I thinking that was f- February? Oh. But it can't be. But February is almost done, so that's right. Um, you're yep, right. Kid. April fifth. Yeah, because Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel is in March, right before my birthday. So yeah, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be real interesting to see how Shazam does sandwich between those two. Between. Them. I think it'll do well
0: we'll see um
1: yeah it it is true we'll have to we'll we'll have to see how it does and who knows maybe uh depending how maybe the pros or cons to captain marvel might could benefit or could hurt shazam maybe it'll benefit it people are unhappy with captain marvel maybe all right anything else no i don't so you had no thoughts on the trailer
0: no, nothing in particular. Um, not, nothing really piqued my fancy, like something, like a unique thought I had about it. It's only thirty seconds.
1: So. No, I know, but it, but but I think they got a lot of money's worth, not literally, up because we know they did for for this being on the Super Bowl. But they, I think they put a lot in the in the thirty seconds. It was, yeah. I mean, it pretty much was all. I think it was all new footage, I believe. Uh so I so I wasn't they didn't they didn't take the lazy easy way out of rehashing at least half of that 30 seconds from from uh mm. from the teaser trailer. So I think that was that was pretty good. It certainly I know that on one level they're downplaying the Tony stuff because of how Tony gets back with with the Avengers is obviously going to be a key part of the first part of the of the probably the first act of the movie. Mm-hmm. But it's still setting the tone that this is going to be a cap-heavy movie, which I certainly hope that it is. It's, it's probably, to be fair, it's probably going to be really heavy. Cap, Iron Man, and probably Thor, which would make three sense because they're the big three, really, of the of the Avengers. That's why Captain Marvel's role and whatever, and Thanos's defeat, it does have to. I they do have to be careful with that. She can, be a, she can be a factor in, or a major factor in helping bring him down, but obviously the core Avengers have to be super critical. Like, she shouldn't be the one to kill Thanos if they kill him. Really, something real, if you're looking at a plot, from a plot perspective, Thor should be the one that kills him. Based on everything that happened in, in Infinity War. And the fact that if they're going back in time, if they're not dealing with a current Thanos going back in time to try to stop them, if they're dealing with Thanos, the pre-snap Thanos trying to get the stones, then Thor has the upper hand of knowing about that whole "you should have gone for the head" comment. <laughs> so, given another opportunity, Thor should be—I think—Thor should be the one that that kills him. That's what—that's what I think. If they're going to kill Thanos, Thor should be the one that kills him. Uh, but it should definitely be one of the. Th- it shouldn't be Captain Marvel. I think that will rub people the wrong way, regardless of whether the, how that Captain Marvel movie plays out, because this is about the Avengers. This really is about what's gotten us to this point, and Captain Marvel, uh, Captain Marvel, really hasn't gotten us to, to this point. You know, she can help get them over the finish line, but but we'll see. Uh, it'd be really interesting to see how Captain. Did you see? And just as as a quick aside, <clears throat> did you see the Captain Marvel Super Bowl commercial? I did not. Yeah, trust me. It was again. It wasn't any. It wasn't much better. There was some new footage in it, but there wasn't it so I I would have to say in the marketing campaign for that movie they failed. They failed miserably at this point. Doesn't mean it's going to do bad, doesn't mean the movie's going to be bad. But when people when people try to compare it to Guardians and say, "Well, nobody knew about after the first trailer Guardians sold a lot of people. Guardians the uh, the interest in that movie skyrocketed tremendously after the first trailer. I mean, for me it didn't do that much because I still had no interest in that meant – you know The characters meant nothing to me, and the vibe on that movie didn't do much for me. So it, it didn't affect my wanting to see it, but a lot of people were sold on that movie by the trailers. And, they, and Marvel knew that movie was going to be tremendous because I think they technically greenlit the sequel before the first one even came out during Comic-Con that year, I believe. So the reality is that there's no comparison here because the trailers for Captain Marvel have not won people over. And that's kind of interesting. But we'll see. It'll be very interesting to see how that one does, how – I don't even know. I was going to say the reviews are going to be important, but it depends how the reviews are. I mean, with Marvel movies – Marvel reviews have been pretty pretty consistent with the way fans have reacted to the movies. So I I think if it gets a really positive review, I think it will make people feel better. But we also know there have been non, more, you know, there have been other movies that have gotten really positive critical reviews that people have not liked, and vice versa. So it's going to be, yeah, that's gonna, to, me, that's more, that's probably the much more interesting one to watch this year, as far as uh, how how it's going to do. I mean, you know, Endgame is going to be tremendous, going to be, that's going to do, you know, amazing money, and the interest is there, so they can keep it. The th- and which apparently, at like this moment, it looks like they still are heading towards a three-hour-ish cut of that movie and then they can do that because the interest is there like we talked about previously but Captain Marvel will be very curious to see how that plays out all right rant over a mini rant all over
0: all right you want to tell people how they can reach us
1: yeah since we did leave that out last time uh, lanterncast at com. the website is lanterncast.com uh, you can follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Hashtag GLCast to locate us on either of those. iTunes and Stitcher. Please leave us a positive review on whichever platform you listen to us on. And the voicemail, the lonely voicemail, 708Lantern. Let us know what you think.
0: All right, guys. We'll talk to you later.
1: Good night, everybody. Good night.